For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. Something strange is happening in Washington, D.C., and no, I'm not just talking about the White House or Congress. Earlier this year, a rabid fox, nicknamed the Capitol Fox, bit eight people and a congressman before being captured and euthanized. Now, I'm not entirely sure why I separated eight people from a congressman, as I'm sure the congressman is likely a people too, but you can judge that on your own. More recently, another rampaging fox broke into the flamingo exhibit at the Smithsonian National Zoo and dispatched 25 American flamingos and a northern pintail duck. This was the first time a predator had ever broken into the exhibit in its entire 50-year history, according to zoo officials. On May 2nd, zoo employees arrived at the exhibit in the early morning hours and spied a fox slinking away from the flamingo enclosure. Upon further investigation, Smithsonian officials found a softball-sized hole in the metal mesh surrounding the exhibit. The exhibit had been inspected as recently as May 1, and nothing unusual was observed. The flock numbered 74 birds before the massacre, which means the fox took out over one-third of the birds by itself. He must have used a stepladder. Flamingos are extremely social and monogamous, meaning they mate with one other individual for life. So when the Smithsonian described the incident as a, quote, tragedy, you can see where they're coming from. You know, like what leg they're standing on, so to speak. Foxes aren't the only wild critter terrorizing D.C. residents. A male turkey has also been seen attacking people in Washington and in nearby Maryland on the Anacostia River Walk Trail. 
One resident described riding his bicycle along the path when the turkey jumped up towards his face and proceeded to chase him around the trail. D.C. is home to between 100 and 200 turkeys, according to a biologist with the Department of Energy and Environment. But this is the first time they've dealt with such an aggressive bird. Three different state and local agencies from Washington, Maryland, and Prince George's County are all on the hunt for the offending fowl. And if any of those biologists are listening, I'd be more than happy to offer my services. Turkey season here in Montana closed on May 16, and I'm ready to do my duty in defense of the nation's capital. This week, we've got wildlife overpasses, turkey tails, avian bird flu, mushrooms, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week, outside of the live Meat Eater podcast slash book release event we did in Billings, was spent turkey hunting. The book, if you do not know, tackles outdoor kids in an inside world, which happens to be the title of the book how to get kids outside and enjoying nature when there is so much driving them inside to stay connected through technology. It was a super fun event, had a bunch of family in the crowd, got up early the next morning and drove out turkey country where we had the most highly successful turkey camp out ever. We hunted a mix of private and public land and the birds were seriously responsive and seemed to have expanded their range. Two factors led to consistent turkey harvest. One, the weather leading up to the hunt was terrible turkey weather. Rain and wind. We showed up, however, to blue skies, no wind, and 60 degree temps. We didn't push the birds, we let them come to us. Normally, my turkey hunting is like my elk hunting. I locate, try to get really close, then call a whole bunch, and if I screw up that scenario, I just keep walking until I find another one. This time around, I cut out the sneaking in really close part, within reason of course. If we got a call and response out of a bird, we'd just set up. We'd be real still and kill them with our butts. Honestly, in some scenarios, it seemed as if the further away we set up, the faster the tom would come in to investigate. We had a first-time hunter with us, and she managed to kill two birds, one of which came in strutting, through a wide-open Montana prairie and across a county road for over 400 yards. It was awesome. And I know I've already mentioned this, but the 410 shotgun, outfitted with a red dot on a Picatinny rail and 3-inch TSS loads, has been an incredible turkey killer this year. For these reasons, I think the fact that the shooter is forced to keep their head down to look through the scope is huge for shot placement. The fact that the gun is so small and light is great for those folks who are unfamiliar with toting shotguns through the turkey woods, and the federal TSS loads absolutely hammer the birds. Yes, they are wickedly expensive. I ended up paying about $10 a shot after shipping. Spent $30 tuning the red dot to the pellet pattern, then spent $60 killing birds. I shot two in Oregon. My girlfriend shot two here in Montana, and her niece shot two here in Montana. And that niece is the first-time hunter. And her last shot was on a tom in the wide open at 40 yards. He was on high alert with his head full periscope. She made a great shot. Dead bird. Handful of pellets from his beak to his crunkles. That was a long shot for the 410, and it worked out great this time. But I'd say that's the max. 
As a result of this high turkey harvest week, my home has been a sauna of turkey stock, a savory version of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. You can lick the walls here too, but instead of schnozberries tasting like schnozberries, the latex paint tastes like slow-cooked turkey. Strike that. Reverse it. This way, please. Moving on to the updates desk. First, Wyoming. Four hunters have been found not guilty of criminal trespass after they corner-crossed last year from one block of public land to another. The six-member jury in Carbon County, Wyoming, cleared the Missouri hunters of all charges after deliberating for less than two hours. If you ask me, they shouldn't have had to deliberate for more than five minutes or at all. The men were charged with criminal trespass for allegedly violating the airspace of a landowner when they used a ladder to cross between two blocks of BLM land. That's Bureau of Land Management, which is public land. While corner crossing sounds innocent enough, the practice is unfortunately on legally dubious footing, which is why this case has received so much attention. The verdict here doesn't make corner crossing legal in Wyoming or anywhere else. However, there is an ongoing civil suit related to the same incident that was recently moved to federal court. The outcome of that case could affect the legality of corner crossing in all 50 states. Next up, Maine, where hunters have sued the state over its ban on Sunday hunting. A bill to legalize hunting on Sundays failed to pass a committee this year in the Maine state legislature, but hunters didn't give up. A group called Maine Hunters United for Sunday Hunting is backing a lawsuit arguing that the Sunday hunting ban is unconstitutional. In November of last year, Mainers passed an amendment enshrining a right to food in the state's constitution. According to this amendment, Mainers have a natural, inherent, and inalienable right to food, including the right to grow, raise, harvest, produce, and consume the food of their own choosing. The couple who is bringing the suit argues that banning hunting on Sundays strips them of this right. Working Monday to Friday only leaves one day of the week available to harvest wild meat, which, they say, isn't enough time to feed their family. Maine is the first state in the nation to pass a right-to-food amendment, and depending on how this case goes, it could be an effective tool for securing hunting rights in other states as well. Moving on to North Carolina. Bear hunters may have to wait to target black bears in three of the state's bear sanctuaries. As we've covered previously, the North Carolina Wildlife Commission voted unanimously to approve a new rule redesignating 22 bear sanctuaries as bear management units and allowing hunting in three of those units. Like much of the country, the North Carolina black bear population is healthy and growing, and the commissioners believe hunters could help keep that population in check. However, state law requires the legislature to review any new rule if it receives more than 10 letters requesting the review. According to Smoky Mountain News, the legislature received a packet of letters totaling 439 pages, which will allow state lawmakers to propose and discuss a bill prohibiting the rule from taking effect. You already know my opinion on politicians making wildlife management decisions, so I'll stay off the soapbox for now. A short legislative session began May 4. If you live in North Carolina, now's the time to get in touch with your duly elected and ask them to vote no on any bill blocking the new black bear rule. Next up, and an international topic, actually, the avian bird flu epidemic. 
We covered this topic in detail in episode 154, and I'm sorry to say that the problem has gotten worse. Much worse. As of May 2nd, over 36 million poultry in 32 states have been affected by the epidemic, and we've seen reported outbreaks in 265 counties. If you want to check out the counties near you, you can go check the CDC website at www.cdc.gov and type in avian flu into the search bar. It's looking like this round of bird flu is going to be even worse than the outbreak in 2015, which killed more than 50 million domestic birds. We've also just seen our first human infection. A man in Colorado who was involved in culling infected birds tested positive for the flu in late April. He recovered after reporting a few days of fatigue, and the CDC still maintains that the risk to humans is low. The epidemic is also affecting wild birds. About 900 wild birds have tested positive for the disease, including a species with which we're all intimately familiar this time of year. Several wild turkeys were found dead in Billings, Montana last month which were the first known turkeys to have died of the disease. Wild species are far less susceptible than domestic animals, but they're still at risk of serious infection, and they can also carry the disease across state boundaries. If you find dead birds, it would be a good idea to report them to your state agency or DNR. To leave you on a positive note here, The Mapland Act officially became federal law on April 29 after President Joe Biden signed a landmark piece of legislation. The bill will mandate and provide funding for federal land management agencies to digitize their public lands data. This data will be used by mapping companies like Onyx to make accessing public land easier for hunters, anglers, and everyone who loves the great outdoors. The legislation received massive bipartisan support in Congress, but I'm still happy to see this one get across the finish line. So call, email, or write your elected officials today and tell them thank you, if they voted in favor of the Mapland Act. A lot of people think that getting life insurance means you're insuring yourself for yourself, but it's actually the exact opposite. It's insuring yourself for your family. So if something happens to me and I'm not around anymore, I can have more peace of mind that my family can have some financial support. And that's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. More than once in my life, my journey, people have described me as an independent person. And that's how I want to stay even when I'm dead. That's how I want to be remembered. That's why I have life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. If you've got kids, and especially if you're young and healthy, the time to lock in low rates is now. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meatfabric.com slash cal. That's meatfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via 
convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in, ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Moving on. Local hunters and trappers in a remote village in northern Nunavut are worried about their hunting grounds, but it's not climate change, habitat fragmentation, or poachers that have them up in arms, at least not at the moment. They're worried about a pickup truck. An Arctic expedition called the Transglobal Car Expedition lost a modified Ford F-150 through the ice on their journey from Yellowknife to remote island in northern Canada. The truck is currently sitting on the ocean floor between the Tasmania Islands according to a report from CBC News. As you might imagine, the local Hunters and Trappers Association is none too pleased. They told the CBC that beluga whales, narwhals, seals, walruses, and arctic char migrate through that region, and they're worried gas, antifreeze oil, and other harmful chemicals will leak out and contaminate their food. The truck reportedly contains at least 10 gallons of fuel, other chemicals, and a backup generator. We live off the land, we're not farmers, we're hunters and gatherers, and we need our game to be clean, said local hunter Jimmy O. That's O in place of his name, which I'm going to butcher. I'm sorry, Jimmy. O Lickitalic. He goes on to say we want it cleaned out as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, that might not happen. While the expedition leaders have said it's, quote, very likely they'll recover the vehicle, they can't do it until at least the end of May when the ice is gone. But as the ice starts to break up, the truck is likely to be damaged by icebergs and leak even more chemicals into the ocean. It's unclear exactly how the truck broke through the ice. The expedition team had been to that same spot five days prior, and when they measured the ice, it was 50 centimeters thick. When the truck sank, the ice had melted down to 15 centimeters. Now, aside from an incredible marketing opportunity for the Ford Motor Company, by, you know, retrieving that vehicle and having it magically start up on the ice and driving it away, there's another opportunity here in the form of habitat. That truck is just an artificial reef down there. Ocean's a big place. Those uh, oils and fuels and whatnot will dissipate. Then you just got habitat down there. In that spacious Ford F-150, there's probably going to be a big old black cod living in there. 
And if I was Jimmy O, I'd mark that thing on my GPS and be dropping some jigs down through the ice next winter. Moving on to the mushroom desk. A pair of Danish biologists claim to have developed a reliable way of growing black morel mushrooms year-round in an indoor climate-controlled environment. These tasty mushrooms are a favorite among foragers and chefs alike, but as meat-eater Spencer Newharth has covered on the MeatEater.com, morels are nearly impossible to grow at home. Morel growing kits on the internet are a gimmick, and even professional mushroom growers have so far been unable to grow these mycological mysteries in any large quantities. That's because morels require a very specific but mysterious set of environmental circumstances to convince them to grow a fruiting body, the part we eat, the thing above ground, instead of just mycelium, which is the root-like network of underground filaments. In 1982, the year of my birth, another important thing happened. A U.S. biologist named Ronald Ower patented a successful technique to grow morels, but in what must be the strangest incident in mushroom-growing history, Ower was murdered during a botched mugging three months before his patent was granted. I'm not saying it was a hit by a threatened big mushroom entity, but I'm also not not saying it was a hit by big mushroom. It's me, Mario! Anyway, in the 40 years since Ower's untimely death, no one has been able to replicate his work even though the patent has been publicly available. That is, until Danish biologists Jacob and Karsten Kirk came along. They managed to grow their first black morel mushrooms indoors in 2005, and they've been optimizing that success ever since. They've developed their own artificial morel soil and figured out that correct combination of light, length of day, and temperature. They also mysteriously claim that grass is a part of the overall cultivation process, but they do not provide any additional details. The result of their work is a technique that grows big, good-looking morels relatively quickly. The growing method produces 4.2 kilograms of mushrooms over a 22-week growing cycle, which is equivalent to about 10 kilograms per square meter, or 20 pounds of mushrooms per square yard per year. Only time will tell if the technique is commercially successful, but here's the good news. You can go out this spring and find some morels for yourself. In an article titled, How to Find Morel Mushrooms in Every State, Spencer lists advice from experts around the country for finding these amazing mushrooms on your own. Once you've found some, I recommend Jenny Noyan Wheatley's recipe for morels on toast. Moving on to the infrastructure desk. The largest wildlife crossing in the world has begun construction in California. The 200-foot wildlife overpass is being built across 10 lanes of traffic on Highway 101 and will connect the Santa Monica Mountains in Southern California to the Simi Hills on the north side of the highway. The overpass will be 165 feet wide and will be covered with soil and vegetation. It will also include walls to help block light and noise from the road and, of course, to make sure drivers don't end up with a mule deer or wild pig on the hood of their cars. The crossing will help a wide variety of wild species navigate the concrete jungle of Southern California, but mountain lions were at the heart of getting this project to its final stage. State and federal biologists were concerned the lion population in the Santa Monica Mountains was struggling with inbreeding and a lack of genetic diversity. Without access to non-related cats north of Highway 101, the population was at risk of going the way of the Florida panther. 
The Florida panther is a subspecies of mountain lion and the only such species remaining in the eastern U.S. Thanks largely to historic overhunting, the Florida panther was declared endangered in 1973 and only about 130 panthers remain in the wild. Roads and other construction present a serious concern to this small population because access to unrelated mates is such an important part of maintaining healthy genetic diversity. But back to the mountain lion population in the San Monica Mountains. They aren't doing as badly as the Florida panther, but biologists have already seen signs of inbreeding. Dr. Seth Riley of the National Park Service told the Wall Street Journal that they've observed the kinked tails and poor sperm quality that indicate genetic difficulties. Riley said that without some kind of intervention, the negative effects of inbreeding could eliminate the entire Santa Monica population in the next 50 years. It will be interesting to see how effective this wildlife crossing is at resolving the genetic diversity issue. If you look at the map of the region, you'll notice that the Simi Hills north of the highway are themselves surrounded by development. The Wallace-Annenberg Wildlife Crossing, as it will be called, may be the largest wildlife crossing in the world, but it's definitely not the only one. Wildlife crossings were first developed in France in the 1950s. The concept was picked up by countries around the world. These crossings are sometimes overpasses like the one in California, but they can also be tunnels or underpasses. One of the earliest crossings in the U.S., for example, was constructed in Davis, California in 1995 to allow frogs to pass under a road and reach the wetlands on the other side. Since then, hundreds of crossings have been designed for a wide variety of animals, including elk, deer, bears, lions, and even tortoises. We may not know why animals cross the road, but these structures make sure they get to the other side in one piece and not on your, you know, grill or under your tire. Moving on, a new report from Avaz, spelled A-V-A-A-Z, an online social advocacy nonprofit, claims that Facebook is a major player in the wildlife trafficking market. You don't need to go to the unsavory corners of the dark web to find endangered animals for sale. In just a few clicks, Avaz researchers found an array of live animals illegally for sale on Facebook, including posts about tiger cubs, an African gray parrot, pangolins, a rhino horn, and a marmoset monkey. In just two days, researchers found 129 posts listing or seeking animals that are threatened or endangered according to the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora, which is, of course, CITES for short. Facebook isn't alone in providing an easy-to-access platform for potentially illegal wildlife trade, as Katie Hill discovered in a great article over at TheMeatEater.com. Amazon, Etsy, eBay have also had trouble prohibiting this content on their platforms. Katie found Saiga antelope, imperial eagle taxidermy, and a stuffed Siberian gray wolf all on Amazon. And since I know all of you wildlife traffickers out there are wondering, No, none came with free two-day shipping. Different countries have different standards for wildlife trade, but in the United States, the Endangered Species Act hands out steep penalties for violating these international trade agreements. First-time offenders can be hit with a $2,500 fine, and repeat offenders can face a year behind bars along with a $75,000 fine. Suffice it to say, selling a tiger cub on Facebook would land you in some serious hot water. Avaz suggests a few things Facebook can do to crack down on illegal wildlife trade. 
The organization recommends Facebook expanding its modern capabilities, restricting search results, and making sure their algorithms do not suggest wildlife trafficking groups to interested users. Apparently, this is something that actually happened. But Facebook has nearly 3 billion users, and wildlife traffickers are constantly devising new ways around the company's modern techniques. It's also worth noting that Avaz did not confirm that all posts they found were legitimate. Some folks also post animal parts for sale without knowing it's illegal. If you enjoy making head scratchers out of pheasant feet, like Meat Eater's own Corinne Schneider, you have to be careful about selling your one-of-a-kind creations on Etsy. I was recently looking on Craigslist here in Montana, and a set of elk legs that had been turned into table legs were only 40 bucks. The legs would make a nice addition to, you know, your uh, table that you're working on for Mother's Day. And, fortunately, if you're in that sort of market, that type of sale is actually legal under Montana Code, as long as the animal was taken legally. It's a complicated issue. But what I've always said about poaching and wildlife trafficking still applies. We focus on the supply side of the issue. But we should also consider the demand side. The only reason anyone would sell a stuffed wolf on Facebook is because they know someone out there will buy it. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you're staring at snow here in May... You still got time to head to www.steeldealers.com and find a local knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They'll get you set up with everything you need and they won't send you home with what you don't. I just learned today that my favorite steel battery-powered chainsaws are seriously back-ordered. So if you can find one, snag it because they are incredibly hard to find. Other than that, be sure to write in to A-S-K-C-A-L. That's askcal at meateater.com and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. You know I appreciate it. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.